Okay, good morning, everybody. Everybody's well. Happy Wednesday. Uh, we are traveling through September, almost done with September, which is incredible. Can you imagine we're almost done with September? L'chaim for those that are still in the middle of their coffee. In the season right now of, thank you, Lenarilla, in the season of the high holidays, in the season of change, I'm talking yesterday about this concept of, of sort of being in control. And that's really what we've been sort of delving into. One thing, important announcement. Um, right now, Momentum, the sponsor of this program, the larger sponsor of this program, the partner, I would say, this program um an incredible organization that i'm a part of that we take uh, people every year to israel a really incredible organization is having their 36 hour crowdfunding campaign andy's going to post the link to my page um please feel free to give something anything that you give is valuable it really uh it goes a long way to the to the growth of this incredible organization all donations go straight through to them um, so if you can, please give something to this incredible campaign. Andy will post it to the organization that is very dear to my heart. We're talking about growth. And to, to really get into it, we have to start to talk about ways in which we grow when we don't want to grow. Right? So until now, we've really been in the space of, okay, we know or we're getting to know that we can't be thrown by the world. And we're getting to know that just because someone says something or doesn't give me something, I can't change my e emotional experience because of it. I have to be in the giving mode. I have to be in control. I can't be thrown by the world. I can't, my, my emotional strength can't wane and wax and wane based on everyone else. I have to sort of maintain that level of, of resilience in order for me to make an impact on this world, in order for me not to be thrown by people. You know, there's a, there's a custom on Rosh Hashanah to not get angry. I always find that um, it's, you're not supposed to ever get angry, but like on Rosh Hashanah, like you're really not supposed to get angry. So I always find that like by like the meals on Rosh Hashanah, like my kids, there's always like something that goes on. There's always something. And like, I can almost feel like I'm being tested. And, um, and this Rosh Hashanah, I was like really at the table, like, and whatever it was, like someone was melting down and well, whatever. And I was like, no, I'm not getting angry. Like I'm just sitting at the table. Like I'm not getting angry. Like, I don't care. I don't care matter what. And like in my head, I'm like, I'm not getting even the slightest bit annoyed at whatever is happening at my table, whatever fights are breaking out, whatever it is. I was working on this, this trait and I was looking at the child or children that was potentially causing the, um, that bit of frustration. And I'm like, looking at him with a different set of eyes it was the it was the ability to sort of watch without being dragged in like you you create this muscle where i'm not saying i'm good at this i'm just telling you what i did once uh, you create this muscle where you start to be 
be an observer many times when you need to be. And this way you could observe a situation that would have otherwise dragged you in and got you involved emotionally because you are holding back being dragged into something you don't want to be dragged into. It gives you the ability to make better decisions and to be in control. And at this point, to diffuse a situation versus to escalate it. Where we're driving towards is this next world that we spoke about dozens and dozens of shows ago, which is understanding. That's why for those who are joining us recently, we, we go in circles. We circle into our prey. We don't go straight. We just, we dance around like, because that's how we get to something real. We just look at it from different angles. When we're, when we're in this zone, we have to recognize that I don't want to be here. It's not easy for me to not be emotionally involved. It's easier. It's more comfortable. It's more desirable for me to be dragged wherever I want to be dragged to. I now have to use a part of me that I don't know how to use to get out of this. Right? The essence of change is the ability to do something that you don't otherwise want to do. Because if you wanted to do it, you would have done it. Right? It's no great shakes to change from not doing something you never wanted to do anyways, or to do things you're already doing. If your you know, resolutions this year, for those that are making them during the high holiday period, is to continue doing that which you love doing, wonderful, like that's amazing. That's not change, that's just continuing what you're doing. Great, if, if it's harder to continue it and you have to use strength to then that's change. But in order to become something that you're not, you have to go through a period of time of doing things you don't want to do, which means we need tools that we're going to employ to allow us to get through the bridge, period. If there's two areas and there's water in between, we just can't drive as much as we'd like to. You just can't drive from an island to an island. Not yet. Maybe one day they'll make cars that fly. I'm sure they do today, but ones that we can walk, we can all afford and drive around. Until then, you've got to stop and you've got to take out your tools and build a bridge. That's not driving, that's building. It's a totally different skill. So when we talk about change, we have to recognize that in order to actually change, there's going to be a different use of skills that is that is distinct from what I am doing every single day. Doing, 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 doing the thing, I have to at some point stop and go to something else that is going to be what I use to build the bridge from where I am to where I'm going. One of the most critical pieces of this, which we've addressed once a while ago, but now I want to sort of like tie back in, and it's so pertinent for this period of time, is the use of speech. When speech is used properly, it actually bridges the gap from where I am to where I'm going. If you notice, in the Jewish calendar at least, the period of time that is dedicated towards change really is dedicated towards speech. If you look at the primary activity that we're doing, 
then you'll see that the primary thing that's going on right now in this period of time called the high holidays, which is the period designed towards change, is not action. There are actions one should do, forgiving and making a man, fine. And there's a couple of things that we do. We, we blow a chauffeur, we fast, like, yeah. But if you look at the primary activity that takes place from really the beginning of this to the end of this, the thing that is solid throughout is using, using of our mouth, the speech. Because it's the speech that makes the difference. It's the speech that changes. And I want to start to delve into why that is. But for today, I want to talk about one area of speech that is very misunderstood. So I don't know if you had a chance to see this. I gave a class on a, on a site called Torah Anytime. The class was before Rosh Hashanah. And it was a story of a man who had come to America. And um, Heschel, who just wrote that? Oh, Yoni, thank you. Story of a man who came to America and he had to leave his family from Europe in the 1930s. He came here and his rabbi told him that I want you to be careful about one major mitzvah, one command. And, you know, this guy's name was Heschel. I made up the name. Like, wasn't, I don't know his real name. I called him Heschel. So um, this guy who's a real guy, I just don't know his name, but this guy asked the rabbi, like, who, who is it? And he said, well, and what is it? And he's expecting the rabbi to be like, make sure you eat kosher. If you can't eat, drink water, make sure you keep Shabbat. And he said, there's actually a rule that says that a person should condition himself to say, whatever God does is for the best. It's a, it's a, it's a halacha. It's a, it's a commandment that a person should condition, listen to the words that are being used. Again, Jewish, non-Jewish, whoever's watching, it's all relevant and it's all part of one greater wisdom. So it's all relevant to all of our lives. The Torah creates a command that a person should condition oneself to be saying, not once, but condition oneself to be saying, whatever God does is for the best. And the rabbi told this guy, I want you to be careful with this one. This guy was a real, like, he was a serious student and he listened to the rabbi. So he goes to America. He ends up partnering with a guy. He's got to raise money because he has no money to live on. So he's going, leaving his family in Europe in the 1930s, right? He wasn't like, you know, landing at the Kotel and FaceTiming his family like 10 hours later, right? He was on a boat. He was not seeing his kids. It was very difficult, but he had to go make a living. So he goes to America, finds a guy, partners with him. The end of the year, when he's supposed to get his payday to go back to Europe, the guy actually falsifies document, tells him he's trying to get a loan, has him sign. He actually had him transfer his interest, and he basically cashed out the account. And this guy, after spending a year working to support his family to go back to Europe, finds out that he basically was swindled and how has no money. And you can imagine the, the, the pain. So he's at the docks, and everyone else who came with him that time are all going back and he's broken. Like he's broken. He's like gone, like gone. And he remembers what the rabbi tells him, whatever God does is for the best. And he repeats to himself, it's for the best, for the best, for the best. And he, he repeats, to, to, he's at the, at, at the park bench, repeating it hundreds and hundreds of times just to allow him to stand up. 
and he goes to his apartment and collapses and repeats it himself thousands of times to allow him to get out of the bed. And he basically uses this as his, his power source to get him to be a human being after such a tremendous devastation. And ultimately goes back to the store, which was ultimately shut down, reopens it and gets a loan from the bank that he was connected to, but needed to apply for citizenship, applies for citizenship, gets the loan, opens the store, goes back to Europe after the year, right for the Nazi invasion of his, of his country. And because he had applied for citizenship and became an American citizen, he was now able to take his entire family, get passports and save his whole family um, and basically take him to America with a thriving business. So it all worked out for him in the end. And that the story, the, the, the theme of that story was basically, we don't know how the world works. Stop trying to figure it out. The world works the way God wants it to work. And if we can stay focused on connecting to God versus connecting to what we think is good, we now actually are praying for something much deeper, the relationship. And we don't know if the thing in front of us is good or bad. Very much that was yesterday's talk. Yesterday's talk was that, the illusion of validity. But where this transitions to where we're going now is the technique that we can use to change ourselves, which is the technique of affirmations. An affirmation, a mantra, is re like a lot of things in life, has really been cast to the side and seen as not substantive. We would typically um, laugh at like something as simple as an affirmation. Like, how's that going to change me? Like, that's ridiculous. It seems non-modern sophisticated. It seems almost more sophisticated to take a pill and to recite an affirmation, right? Like we're at, we're at a point where like, it seems more sophisticated to like literally take medicine than it is to say something again and again and again. But let's sort of like break it down and analyze why it's so powerful. If you remember, we spoke about this idea of the commentary, the narrative that's in our minds, right? Then our what a lot of our neuroplasticity is, or some of our neuroplasticity is, really is, is a running commentary on the world, right? We're trying to figure out the world in front of us. And remember, the world in front of us, for the most part, is neutral. There are things that are clearly extreme, good and bad, but for the most part of our daily life, it's neutral. We don't really know. So the football game, whether, we, whether a team wins or loses, is really neutral. My perspective, my schema, my history creates a meaning that now brings me to the game. But the game itself is neutral. Like whether or not this team wins or that team wins is a neutral event. The, the fan of one team thinks that's great. The fan of the losing team thinks that's terrible. And the person who can care less has no idea. So the three people are having three experiences because the thing itself is at its core neutral thing, right? When we look at things in life, in this case, let's take the Herschel example, this guy, this story, when he looks at getting robbed of his money from the perspective of getting robbed, it's clearly negative. When he looks at it a year and a half later from the perspective of having to have built a business and save his family, it's very positive. That means that the thing itself is neutral. We're, what we bring to something is really what gives it the meaning, the experience that we're looking for. So when we engage in life, 
we don't know how to process the world. We don't know what's good or bad. What we have is a schema. It's a filter. But a lot of that filter really is a commentary that is playing in our minds. It's a commentary that we are thinking about that allows us to determine what the feeling is. I remember hearing a Tony Robbins thing on this. Tony Robbins has, has an interesting piece on this. I think it's with Bob Dylan, where he was, he was brought in to help a singer-songwriter, not Bob Dylan, someone else, he wouldn't say, who was one of the, like, she was rising through the charts. And then she just collapsed. And he got into her, went backstage, and he said, like, hey, what happens? And she said, I'm ready to roll. Things are great. And then as I get backstage and I hear the crowd, I, my, my body shivers up. I get this feeling in my neck. And, like, I get this feeling, and I know I'm going to fail, and I just can't go out. Right? So he says, you know, it's interesting because I'm close. I think it's Bob Dylan. He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm close to Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan told me that when he's in the dressing room, he's ready to go. And then he hears like the door opens or whatever. And he hears the crowd cheering for him. And he immediately gets the shivers down his spine and the thing in his neck. And he, and he realizes that he's got the juice to create the best show ever right? Same feeling, different commentary, right? The voice in her head was, oh, this feeling means I'm going to fail. The voice in Bob Dylan's head is, oh, this feeling means I'm going to win. So the connection between yesterday and today, and as we go into tomorrow and the rest of this week with God's help, I'm debating if we should do a Q&A on Friday or not. I don't know. We'll play it by ear. I'm just looking at my time. That's what I keep on looking down. Yeah, same with butterflies. The, the relationship to understanding why we do what we do really comes down to understanding the commentary in our heads. We have a running, like, color commentary, right? And it's telling us things all the time. That person's taking advantage. This is no good for nothing. Or, or the opposite. That person's very nice when they're really not so nice. There's a commentary. I knew I couldn't. I knew I couldn't. I knew I couldn't. you got a great God commentary for many people. Oh, yeah. Many people have the God's the big bad wolf commentary. If we don't show up, God's going to zap me. He's going to send me to hell. Like, oh, we got commentary left and right. We just constantly have commentary. And what we don't realize is that the commentary is actually shaping how we feel about the world. Now, the commentary can come from things that are beyond us. We may have inherited that commentary from people in our lives, right? Where we say that we sound like our parents sometimes, or we sound like our teachers sometimes, or we sound like our spouses sometimes. Like, do you ever notice that we sound like people? It's not because like we are, it was a coincidence. It's because we hear them a lot. So when you hear something a lot, it creates, remember, thought, creates neuroconnections. So when you hear somebody say an expression enough times, you start saying it yourself. And then you start thinking of it yourself. 
And then you start processing the world through that perspective. It may not even be your perspective. You may have just gotten it from somebody else. And now slowly you're like chanting the things. And by the way, this happens to everybody. Even the people that are too sophisticated, it totally happens to them. Happens, and it happens, by the way, immediately sometimes. Let me end with this. I know that it's already 920. There's a concept called mirror neurons. And what mirror neurons are is that when two people are across from each other, that they have neurons in their minds that fire to mirror each other. And it's because it's a, it's a way that the brain wants people to be closer and people like things that are familiar. So if I talk a little bit more like you, even if it's subtle, the brain picks up on that, on that subtleties and we connect more. You can literally be sitting around the room for an hour or two for a weekend and slowly sound like the people that you're talking to, even if it's subtle. So this can change immediately almost. The language that we use will create the commentary that now changes how we see the world. Okay. This is the, the foundation. We'll take it again. We'll continue this tomorrow. All right. Just for today, be aware of it. Just listen to the commentary sometimes. We're going to talk about how to change it tomorrow. But just for today, start to be aware of this commentary. Let it play into your head. Let's just watch it a little bit. Start to be the observer of our lives. All right. If you can, please go to this website. Go to the cause match that um, Andy has been posting. Um, help, help the organization. I have 36 hours to raise. I have a personal goal of raising 50K. So help me out. Even fives and ten dollars will hopefully get me there. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Have a great day. And with God's help, I can't wait to see you again tomorrow.